This is Crossroads, the Get Religion podcast. I just find it interesting that uh, something that everyone believes, some people pretend not to. For instance, if you see an atheist, you will never see an atheist argue uh, that God doesn't exist because the tenets of Scientology are absurd. They will always pick Christianity. So it's very interesting that they, they choose the God that they decide doesn't exist, which means really they're choosing the God they think exists. That's the late comedian Norm MacDonald talking about the existence of God. A lot of obituaries have been written since his death recently. One, John Gabriel, writing for Ricochet, the smartest comedians portray themselves as the dumbest. Norm MacDonald was the best at this sleight of hand. He graduated from high school at 14, read Russian literature in his downtime, and had long philosophical discussions with clergy McDonald was a student of human nature first, comedy second. Are there some religion ghosts in the obituaries of comedian Norm McDonald? Greetings and welcome to Crossroads with Terry Mattingly. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. Terry is senior fellow at the Overby Center at the University of Mississippi. He's author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion, and he's founder and editor of Get Religion. Terry, welcome back. Glad to be here. Was there a religion ghost in the work of Norm MacDonald? And was that something that mainstream journalists should be expected to ask about? Let me level with you. I'm going to answer that there definitely was a religion ghost in this man's life, and in particular, the final decade of his life. And what I can't make up my mind about is whether we should expect elite reporters to have read the tea leaves and searched for that. Now, I mean, there were hints. There were things that you could find if you had some motivation to look for them. Now, you, you've heard me say in the past that when you write a story that said, what made this person brilliant? What made this person a great artist? What made this person a great songwriter? and then you never get to that why, that, that's a very strange thing, especially if the why contains elements of religious faith. In this case, if anything runs through the mainstream obituaries for this man, and I, I must admit this was not someone whose work I knew well. I just kind of knew some of his famous one-liners, <laughs> knew about his obsession with the O.J. Simpson trial, you know, and the Clintons and some other things that made his work edgy, you know, and courageous and may have gotten him fired from Saturday Night Live. I knew a little bit about that. I didn't know the degree to which there was this intelligent, sobering, dark side of his humor and that it might have had some roots that come from a number of different sources. I, I must admit, I didn't know that. So would I have looked hard enough to have found the clues? I can honestly tell you that I don't know if I would have, but the minute you ask the question, is there 
some kind of religious search or even pain involved in this man's humor, and you throw a couple of logical search terms into a online search, and you're going to find some of the clues. And just to, to jump to the chase, those clues are nowhere in the mainstream obituaries and elite media. And it'll be interesting to see if maybe Religion News Service or someone else does a piece about this, but it, it, it certainly doesn't jump out. Let's say, and not to wish ill on anyone, I think that if Tom Hanks died tomorrow in a plane crash or something, I think there might be references in it to he and his wife and family being active Greek Orthodox Christians and that he had this really complex religious background, you know, with all kinds of different forms of Protestantism and evangelicalism and hints of Mormonism and all this other stuff. And then he ends up kind of pulling his life together in the second marriage and becomes, you know, someone who's going to church and writes, his wife writes pieces about Easter and Pascha and the meaning of her faith and interesting things. So I don't think we would have seen that with Norm MacDonald. But I'll tell you what does run through all the obituaries. This man is astonishingly respected by his peers. And when you ask why are they so obsessed with his humor, it's because they're mystified by some of the connections he makes. They talk about his intelligence and his integrity. Quite frankly, I don't know if we can ask the New York Times and the LA Times and others to go from intelligence and integrity to brilliant humor and say, oh, this guy must be wrestling with Christianity. You know, I don't know if we can expect them to do that equation. One of the things I've seen his peers comment on repeatedly, comic giants who all respected this man, even though I would say he's probably a comedian's comedian more than he mm -hmm. was a popular comedian. Yeah. But they said his dedication to a joke. One guy compared him to Andy Kaufman, obviously different kinds of humor. Andy Kaufman would go, you know, he'd do anything on stage, and he didn't care how the audience responded to it. But you could look at Kaufman and say, there's a guy who's, he's an absurdist because he's a nihilist. But McDonald had the same kind of dedication to his craft and, and disregard for whether the audience was really laughing about it because uh, he knew it was funny. But it, there was a moral core to it as well. I mean, one of the reasons that he got in trouble on Saturday Night Live was because he would call out public figures during his news bit for their moral failings. Which is really interesting because he was someone who didn't want to be viewed as a political humorist. In fact, he admired Johnny Carson because Carson could be funny during great political wars, I mean like Watergate or something, and not get political. Yet when you look at where McDonald got political, it seemed, like you said, that there was a moral theme to it. O.J. Simpson, accused of murdering his wife. Bill Clinton, viewed through the lens of Norm McDonald, a man who certainly appears to want to murder his wife, you know, at a, during a, a period of time in their political lives. And McDonald would just pound and pound and pound away at those subjects. 
And you're right that it eventually, it clearly hurt him. And he was known as someone who was brilliant, but yet his projects were not all that successful, especially after he left Saturday Night Live. Let me put another component in here. I, I think we have to look at some of his work down the stretch of his life in light of the revelations in the news reporting that he fought cancer secretly for a decade. And then in that context, the minute you throw a battle with cancer into this thing, all of a sudden you get all kinds of other questions. You get questions about his constant, his one-liners about death, and he didn't want to be laying on his deathbed wondering why he spent so much time eating yogurt. And you, you see some of the interesting questions from his, some of his final efforts in entertainment, especially his show, Norm MacDonald Has a Show, the kind of 30-minute super intelligent talk show that he hosted for a while. And in the midst of my searching, I found one exchange on that show, which is right here at the end of his, his life, toward in the final years of his life. He has Jane Fonda on the show. And, you know, he's very brusque and uses the F word a lot, and you've got all kinds of things going on. But in the middle of that, you have this exchange, which I wasn't able to find in clips on YouTube, but there's a transcription. Uh, he asks, are you a religious person? And Jane Fonda says, I have faith, Norm, in Jesus Christ? Jane Fonda, hmm, I'm still a work in progress. I believe in the historical Jesus, and I've studied, and uh, I listened to this question. Norm MacDonald comes right back. Do you believe in the hypostatic Jesus? Fonda, no. Norm, so you're not a Christian, but you believe. You believe in something. I think it shows remarkable humility that you still have not made up your mind. Okay, what word just kind of comes jumping out of the transcript at you? Well, hypostatic does. But. Exactly, which is not your normal late-night humorist F-word talk show host term. I mean, it refers to Jesus as truly God and truly man. You know, the, the dual identities within the mystery of the nature of the Incarnation, which is not exactly a tiny mystery to be talking about. But the fact that this term just comes, boom, and when you're reading the transcript, you go, okay, that's not your normal thing to throw into a conversation with Jane Fonda. Although Fonda, of course, had this very public kind of flirtation with Christianity and even evangelical Christianity, then she completely and quickly backed away from it. She kind of seemed to have Oprah Christianity there for a while. I also want to point out something else that I, I found in my work. The most famous Norm MacDonald joke is the moth story. And the most famous recording of it is on Conan O'Brien, and I don't know if he ever used the joke again, but it's quoted constantly, and it, there's a reference to it in you know a couple of the obituaries. It's it's his most famous thing, and it, it's a joke that goes on and on and on, and he seems to just be rambling, and Conan O'Brien is laughing, but getting more and more uncomfortable, and it's about a a moth who goes into a podiatrist's office. 
And the doctor says, what seems to be the problem? What's the problem? Where do I begin, man? I worked for Gregory Illovich, and all day long I work. Honestly, Doc, I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. And this story goes on and on through many, many twists and turns. And there's pain, and there's all kinds of things. And finally, he's talking about a loaded gun that's lying by the bedside. And he says, I just may need to end this hellish facade once and for all. Doc, sometimes I feel like a spider, even though I'm a moth just barely hanging on my web with an everlasting fire underneath me. I'm not feeling good. And the doctor says, Moth, man, you're trouble. You should be seeing a psychiatrist. Why on earth did you come here? And the moth, the famous last line, the moth says, because the light was on. You know, the moth flying into the light to its doom, you know, which is, and Conan just kind of falls apart. It congratulates the audience for who, for all those who managed to hang on through this long, arduous trek to this bizarre one-liner at the end. But I would note that if you take this man's reading interests and his questions, he I, I get the impression, because McDonald is asked a couple of times, are you a Christian? And he says, yes. Another time he says, I was raised Protestant, and lately I've been talking to rabbis more because they're really interesting. So he, whether he's a Christian or he's a practicing Christian or he's on a quest, he openly states that there is this Christian role in his life. And then we put that man in a one-decade fight with cancer, with all of that religious reading and literature and words like hypostatic rolling around in his brain. I think it's safe to say that the humor and the agenda of his life and work in that last decade, you can now see kind of a religion quest, search, wrestling match, argument, something's going on. So Terry, McDonald back in 2017, which was the 500th anniversary of the, of the Lutheran Reformation, tweeted this on Reformation Day, October 31st. Scripture faith, grace, Christ, glory to God. Smart man says nothing is a miracle. I say everything is. This is a man who, I mean, at least took the time to note the four solas of the Reformation, Scripture, faith, grace, and Christ. Yeah. It's certainly something you have to ask about. I get the impression, if you, if you put it all together, is that Norm MacDonald considered himself a Christian but he didn't think he was a very good one. It was kind of like here was a man who didn't seem to have lived up to his own standards. Maybe I'm, I'm, you know, I'm speculating here, but I'm I'm talking about interviews in which he says things like, someone asked after this talking about deathbed and the yogurt quote and all that stuff. The interview goes on, and Vulture.com ran this transcription. Do you go to church? No, no, I don't like organized religion so much. I know two rabbis, and I talk to them a lot because I don't understand the Old Testament, and they do. They know stuff. I was raised Protestant, and they don't know anything. If you're in a Protestant household and you bring up Jesus, everyone's like, what? We're trying to eat. It's, <laughs> he goes on, and then coming after that, you know, there's one of the quotes about atheism and kind of how you know they, they take on the stuff that's that's hard to take on. And 
he throws a line, you know, at someone in another quote, if you're going to argue about Christianity, you should at least know something about what you're fighting. There's a lot going on in this mind. What we don't know, or at least so far, I haven't seen any references to, is we don't know how any of this connected to his to a life of faith or even to a specific search for faith, other than talking to clergy, talking to rabbis, talking to other clergy, reading Russian literature, which will certainly get you some dark sides of life and big questions and all that Russian stuff. But at the same time, you read in a lot of that literature, you're going to hit Orthodox Christianity, and you're going to hit an obsession with the resurrection and an obsession with redemption at Pascha and Easter. I mean, it's knowing all of this from reading the quotes from him and seeing the Twitter things from him. I, I love the fact that he followed Mark Hemingway on Twitter. You know, what was that all about? Just politics? The man didn't like politics that much. Why is he following Mark Hemingway? There's just a lot of questions, and I do hope someone writes about it. I may take a shot at it, but at the same time, I have two or three other things I'm working on right now that are semi-time locked, and when you only write a column once a week, I'll, we'll do this podcast and I'll write about it to Get Religion. What kind of questions should reporters who have maybe more column space and more time be asking about Norm MacDonald's religious faith? Well, I think there's two ways you can go at it. One, you, you take my classic questions, how do you spend your time, how do you spend your money, how do you make your decisions? Is there any evidence that he was a part of a religious community or even that at a specific moment he left one? I certainly would ask in his fight with cancer if down the stretch in his life, if he sought counseling or if he sought a chaplain or if he had people that he asked questions to. At the same time, let's take one of his most famous friends. Norm MacDonald was one of the people invited to be a part of the final shows that David Letterman did on the Late Night Show. And MacDonald came out and was just his typical, strange, bizarre, brilliant self. But at the end of it, he starts doing this kind of a tribute to Letterman, and he begins crying. And he's clearly very moved by something. And he talks about Letterman's humanity and how he worked with guests. And at the end, he finally just turns and says, you know, I don't know if we're supposed to say things like this, but man, I love you. And Letterman is just clearly very moved. You know, and comes out and gets shocked and comes out and embraces him. What did Letterman know? I would assume Letterman knew about the battle with cancer. Would someone like Letterman, who grew up in the Midwest and grew up surrounded by conventional forms of faith and everything else, what would happen if Letterman gave you an interview and you asked him if he knew anything about Norm MacDonald's faith? What if you ask members of the Saturday Night Live crew? I mean... The New York Times piece does get into this section about what made him so different. The final quote from Lorne, Lorne Michaels, the famous creator of Saturday Night Live, he was an original and he didn't compromise in a business that was based on compromise. Show business. Okay, let's ask Lorne Michaels, where do you think some of that backbone came from? Where do you think some of his obsessions 
him from? Did he ever say anything to you? Once you raise the religion question, you can interview some of the major figures in his life and find out what they knew. It's not typical for celebrities to be overtly religious. McDonald may have been about as overtly religious as you get in terms of the celebrity class, but it's certainly not typical for comedians who have to draw yeah. upon a deep well of cynicism to do what they do for that. What are your thoughts there on someone who had a arguably stellar career as a comedian respected by his peers and managed to do humor, at least in if through most of his career, from a, at the very least, a theistic worldview. Yeah. I mean, I think there are celebrities who are believers, and that affects the coverage. I will be stunned if I live to see it. I'll be stunned if the obituaries for Denzel Washington don't explore him being the son of a minister and him, him saying, I could have become a minister. I thought about it. And his wrestling with his marriage and returning to faith. He's given many interviews and talks where he's very open about his faith. And you know what church Denzel Washington goes to. And you know things he has said about that. Norm MacDonald, is, is, this is different. This is an edgy, cutting-edge guy in what can be a nasty, bitter, dark world, which is the modern world of comedy. I think part of the reason why we don't see the religion questions in any of these stories is it's just hard to imagine that someone this brilliant in that world could have been walking around thinking about faith and dying and the nature of Jesus Christ and other very conventional religious questions, and that some of this might even seep into his work or kind of pop out at unexpected times. Like I said at the beginning, I don't know if we can expect an obituary writer at the New York Times to wonder about that. But it wouldn't have been hard to find these questions and themes. And if you kind of read between the lines about people talking about what kind of man he was, and what kind of friend he was, and once again, these words like integrity and strength keep coming up. At some point, you might want to ask people, where do you think that came from? Where did this man's obsessions come from? What about these statements in which he says he's a Christian? It wouldn't be out of line to ask those questions. Terry Mattingly is senior fellow at the Overby Center at the University of Mississippi. He's author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion, and he's founder and editor of Get Religion. Terry, thank you very much. Glad to be here. I'm Todd Wilkin. I'll talk with you next week. Thanks for listening to Crossroads with Terry Mattingly. Crossroads is a production of Get Religion, part of the First Amendment projects at the Overby Center at the University of Mississippi. If you appreciate this podcast, please make a secure online tax-deductible donation at GetReligion.org.